Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thompson, and today, for the very first time, we have a repeat guest, and that's Richard Burrows. Rich is a, you'll remember from episode three, he is a secret agent turned breathwork mindset performance coach. And the first episode we spoke to him was more about his life and what his experiences were like to get to him to this point. But today we wanted to sit down with him, talk about the science behind breath work, the science behind stress response and what we can do in little moments of our day that we get exposed to those stress responses to better serve our life and what we can do in the ways in which we can uh, implement those uh, practices for a better, for a better life. So I hope you all enjoy it. Here's, uh, here's Rich Burrows. Richard Burrows, welcome back to the show. You are the our very first repeat wow. customer. So thank you so much. Quite, quite the honour. Uh, quite the honour. For taking the time again and, um, yeah, imparting your wisdom. I don't know about wisdom. I think there'll be, um, you know, lots of talking, but I don't know how much of it your listeners should uh, take as gospel. I'm just, um, I'm just a man on a walk. Yeah, I mean, last time we spoke... It was. I was more interested, and in, we spoke more about your life, and you know, uh, I think it's way back in like episode three where we talked about how you've gone from someone in the mid twenties in the secret service or in the um, yeah in in ASIO and uh, as almost like secret agents sort of life to now this sort of breath work life coach performance coach realm which you're doing you know even in the past six months has been so impressive to see and and there has been so much reception given and praise given to you with the work you're doing so i did mention in that first episode that we did that we didn't touch on anything about breath yeah. specifically the breath guy and we didn't, didn't even get to it or, <laughs> exactly um and you know the majority of the work that i've done with you revolves around that you know um so thought it'd be timely to get you on and to talk about uh, all things breath but probably to start off with i guess <clears throat> you don't need to be an athlete to think about effective use of breath or stress response because we're all every single day whether whatever job we are in whether we are a stay-at-home parent or whether we're a high-flying ceo of a business or anything in between or like there's constant stresses that will be pushed in our face whether we like it or not and you know i've grown into this idea that it's that and i think you mentioned it in that in our first episode it's that it's the space between the stimulus in our reaction that's that's so valuable and so why i guess to start us off why do you think people lose sight of that or why do you think that's such a low-hanging fruit because it seems that people who aren't the best at dealing with stress it's just this instant reaction there's not there's no time to pause and to consider yeah i guess well life is speeding up and we just operate off momentum most of the time because you don't really stop to think about you know, what life has become 
you just go with the flow, you get your first job or you, you know, become a parent and you just follow what the crowd is doing and you don't really have much of an opportunity to, to stop and, and to assess, you know, does life need to be this hectic? Do I need to be, you know, on the go all the time? And, and when you, you step back and take that, you know, a thousand foot view, you can actually, yeah, I think tweak life in your favor uh, more than most people realize. And, and there are tools that you can use to, to engineer more control. And it's, I think it's a cultural thing. I think people just get caught up in that, you know, if you want to achieve more, you want to be better, you've got to grind, you've got to work harder, you've, you've got to put in the hours at the office, you've got to sleep less, you know, sleep when you're dead, lunch is for wimps, all those kind of things. Um, but in reality, if you don't develop an ability to, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but toggle between states of um, stress and you know, stress shouldn't be deemed as a bad thing because a certain amount of stress is necessary to perform at a high level, mm. difference between eustress and distress. Uh, but to toggle between that level of activation and then deep rest and recovery. And most people never access that. Now, they don't understand that you know, even if you're not an elite athlete, you still need to experience the recovery to allow you to get back up again and sustain high performance. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a cultural thing um, and just to... Yeah, awareness is power, right? So once you you're aware of your ability to have have more agency over the way you feel, then you're you're off to the races. Then for someone who doesn't go down that deep rest, self reflection rabbit hole of well, I'm just going to sit with myself to see whether I am truly happy in this moment in time, whether it's you know what I should be doing. Uh, on an extracurricular level, what I should be doing with my family, with my children, with my job, let's say all those sort of categories. There is a reluctance because it's truth and it, it's it's facing the truth. And people, I don't know, may, I think potentially have that initial reluctance to it because they're afraid or they're worried about what happens if like to change it means, but to get out of that state will mean some serious decisions or some bigger decisions that need to be to me need to be played but um you know so how, how do we how would you recommend going from in, in, in that hectic lifestyle in that really busy life where we're just almost managing day getting through the days and then all of a sudden you know your head hits the pillow and you're just wanting to um get some sleep yeah. or I think a lot of people will you know when they say ah, oh, I just need an hour I need to see some the, the, you know the day is done I just need a bit of time to switch off and that would be you know to watch TV yeah. or to to do I guess whatever their vice is to to switch off what's your what, what what's your advice in terms of getting a uh, a more consistent rich routine to get that deep rest or that state of being where you can 
I don't know, make, make it a, a, a larger assessment of what your life is. Yeah, like well, I think the first step is actually understanding the difference between activities which continue to stimulate the stress response. So if you're, the example you gave, hard day, just want to switch off, just want to sit in front of a screen, just want to sit in front of blue light, you're keeping yourself in um, a state which is activating your stress response just by the pure nature of the light that you're getting into your eyes. You're continuing to um, secrete adrenaline, stress hormones into your system. So having an awareness that that practice isn't serving the purpose you think it is, it, it is not actually contributing to you down-regulating properly. Um, it's more potentially serving another purpose, an escape, you know, you're not happy with your, your reality. You want to, um, yeah, whatever your, your vice in terms of, um, Netflix or YouTube, whatever it is, um, yeah, having that escapism to, um, to take your mind off your reality, I think is perhaps, uh, what the true purpose might be, but it, it's not about mm. down-regulating at all. Um, you know, once the sun goes down, uh, and you're still awake, if you're looking at blue light, you're not, you're not recovering, you're not resting. So it's, it's awareness piece. And, and, and perhaps, you know, we're so far into this uh, cultural um, practice of, you know, in the evening we huddle around screens compared to, yeah, it's, it's always love the, the culture around, you know, small European towns where everyone comes together they're, they're social in the the town square and yeah there's mm. there might be music or there might be food and there's company um that social interaction i think is a huge part of um yeah mitigating the stress response uh and 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 getting out away from from the the tv it's just such a yeah a western um yeah, American, British, Australian thing is that we we tend to really default to these behaviours for no good reason, and it, it's hard to break. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it myself. But um, yeah, you, you've got to have the awareness to know what is actually serving your purpose, and then expose yourself to some some different options, some different practices. See what it's like to to, yeah. to sit with a, a book in really dim light. Yeah, in the evening, or just to yeah. lay on your living room floor and listen to some yeah, instrumental music while you're doing some foam rolling, something something different, and see how you feel mm. in comparison. I almost feel like for a lot of people, what they like, you get to the end of the work week and you're exhausted, let's say, and you're like, oh, I just want. I'm just going to have a couple of beers just to relax and because it's Friday night and I'm not trying to be a downer either as well, right? Like everyone's their own ship and you do you. But if you're trying to cultivate a list of habits that is for your benefit because you are exhausted, then alcohol at 9 p.m. after a work week is probably is, – is, is shown not to be the case. Especially right? not it's, when you're in your 40s. It's shown I can not. tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, it, it, it detrimentally impacts your actual sleep yeah. quality that night um, and as well as everything else. So um, it's interesting how the human behavior is almost like we want to reward ourselves, but it's almost like to our detriment. Yeah. It's, it's almost like saying, oh, I'm so tired. So to reward myself, I'm going to make sure I only get half a night's <laughs> sleep tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's the same thing with, yeah, with the screens. And they you sort of say, well... Uh, you need eight hours of sleep and you go, well, that's hard to do because I'm up at six. It's like, well, you just have to go to bed at 10, make sure you're asleep at 10 or 9.30 yeah. and that would probably mean you got to turn off Mate, the I'm breaking all my rules for you tonight. Do. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, the, the irony yeah. of all of this is that it's 8.30 <laughs> at night and we're on the screens. Let's go forward and go, okay, we 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 there's awareness that we have. We uh, we understand the habits at night or or being able to toggle between stress and the stress is really important. Uh -huh. As you said, like you, you don't improve in life without exposure to stress uh, as, as a striving human wanting success, you've got to embrace that. You've got to, it's got to be a positive. You have to look at it positively, but how do we, what can we do to, you know, more effectively toggle between the two states between deep rest and in a stress environment. I think you gotta find what works. Once we know, once we know yeah. these habits, once we know, once we can acknowledge that what we're doing probably isn't the best, how can we start implementing a better routine? Well, it's habit formation, isn't it? It's, it's recognizing when the trigger shows up and, and what the usual response is, and then substituting something which is, is more beneficial. And I often talk about behaviors which are either going to widen your window or shrink your window for stress tolerance and it's a bit of a, a sliding scale this comes from elizabeth stanley where you know at the the extreme end of widening your window it might be you know meditation you know focused breath work and i i fully get that that's not for everyone as their you know their go-to it's it, it requires, you know, cultivating a bit of a practice. But next step might be, you know, going for a walk in nature, you know, getting your feet on the ground. Yeah, how many times in the past week has everyone listening to this had their shoes off and been barefoot on the earth or on the, the sand on the beach? Mm. We're, we're just becoming more and more disconnected. So as you make your way down this, this sliding scale, a, a catch up with a, a friend over coffee might be, yeah, the next best option or listening to some uh, some calming music or even some energizing music, something that puts you in a happy state. And then you start to tip over into the, the behaviors which are starting to shrink the window. Maybe it's eating some comfort food or like we were talking about going to you know, binge watching Netflix or having a few beers or as you make your way down, you're into yeah recreational drugs and risk-taking behavior so it's it's recognizing that there's there's this sliding scale you've always mm. got the ability to choose a slightly better option you don't have to be perfect but start to yeah you know turn away from the the habits which shrink your window and choose something which is more likely to to widen your window for you know, stress tolerance which is all about recovery like we've been talking about so that's that can be a 
daily routine, and I guess people can build that into their daily routine as they see fit. Yep. Um, as best as I can, I do. In the morning, I try to do about a seven or eight minute, I call it, I guess, a meditation, but it's essentially a breath work routine. Yep. Um, what, does that, what does that look like which, for you? You know, oh, it's a simple, just a simple yeah. bo box breathing yep. um, on a four count. Mm -hmm. So four four counts breath in, four count breath hold, four mm -hmm. count exhale, four count nothing. Have you have you got a, um, a go-to location where you do that or is that just wherever you can fit it in? <laughs> Usually, uh, if, I, if the kids are in the house, I'll find a room where <laughs> they're not the infiltrating <laughs> for eight minutes and hope the hell that, that, that they don't bother me. So I don't hear the, their noises. I'll just, um, I'll just put some headphones yep. in and just some, you know, like, it's just like rainforest music or something like it's on a timer and no no um, nothing no one mm -hmm. talking to me in that music it's just just some calming music and um yeah i do that and i i um whilst i'm doing that i'm um manifesting is probably not the best word but just uh setting the intention for the day and what I would like to achieve. It's pretty micro. It's pretty. It's a. It's a fairly micro yeah. level uh, approach, though. I don't. I don't do the macro level of what my life should. You know, what's the ideal element of my life, like yeah. projection of my life going forward, which is, you know, maybe to my detriment. I'm though in the last little while, it, it has been getting through the days as a as a job. So uh, as a as Isn't a target, like it's. I've had to micromanage my life to the point where it's like it's a. I'm dealing with a lot mm -hmm. at the moment and I'm just getting through the day. So let's focus on what does a good day look like and let's aim for that rather than, all right, I want to set some big, big goals ahead in the next five years. Let's, let's manifest that. So it like everyone like that goes out the window when it least should. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. when you're most yeah. stressed and you've got so many balls in the air, that should absolutely be the time where it's like, okay, pause. It literally is eight minutes of yeah. my life. I'm not that busy. Um, let's do this because I yeah. need it. But and I was speaking to a friend of mine um, who you've met, Nick Quinn, and it's even like we, even if you set a – for anybody, right, you set a, let's say, a 45-minute exercise habit every day zone to aerobic in the, for anyone that could be uh -huh. a walk that could be a slow jog that could be a, a very easy bike ride you know just a nothing to stress you but just to move and for 45 minutes a day and we were talking about that how amazing that is and usually people will set this i don't know and i'm rabbiting here but people go on holidays let's say they go away for a week and and this has happened to me too often to think that i'm just the sample size of one and you get this space, right? You get a time where you, you, you're not subjected to life stress and you think, man, wouldn't it be lovely just to do 45 minutes of exercise a day? Like, and it's like, right, I'm going to do it. Like, and it's not necessarily to lose weight. It's just to feel better for mental health, for your own alertness and your own awareness. And you get home and you do that and you do that and you do that and you do that and then life gets really stressful and really difficult, uh, you know, the ebbs and flows of life. And, and then as soon as it gets stressful, that is the first mm. thing that goes. And that needs to be yeah, the last that's, thing that's that goes. That's exactly what, 
you know, is the linchpin of you continuing to, to manage that stress. So, you know, you jettison that at your peril. Yeah. And it's almost like you need to, when we're talking tonight about under, awareness of the sliding scale of habits and that some are better than others and you'll always be able to improve them. I guess it's the also the awareness that you can listen to this episode and go, yep, from tomorrow I'm going to do six minutes of breath work um, every day, but also understand that when it gets – when life gets really challenging, it's to double down yeah. on that. It's to go, well, I need 12 minutes. If it's if life is really busy, I need 12 minutes or 10 minutes, not six. Or well, six minutes so, twice um, a day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So let's get into breath work, Rich. Let's get into, I'd love you to, as a simple, it's, it's a complex system of um, anatomy, but what, in your mind, why is it so important? And what, where do we start with this? Let's unpack it. Oof, huge question, mate. You sure know, I've said to you a few times in the past, you know how to ask some of the most challenging questions in the fewest words possible but um <laughs> sorry about if, that. if i was to lay a foundation and a, a framework to look at why breath is so important i think we need to understand three different angles so number one is the biomechanical so think of that as movement and here we're talking about posture um you know, correct muscle activation, um, a anatomically correct breath wave according to whatever activity you're performing. A lot of people are challenged by their their situation to actually be competent in that area. And you know, most most of us are born excellent breathers. Things happen though in the early years of life, either you know, if you're a toddler and you pick up whatever's going around at daycare and you end up with a stuffy nose for, you know, week in, week out, and you start breathing through your mouth constantly, then you can develop a, a pattern and a habit which is actually quite detrimental. Or you get to five or six years of age and you get sent to sit in a desk for six hours a day, compromise your posture, slouch, um, yeah, that starts to interrupt your ability to access your diaphragm properly. Or as you get older, you know, a kid calls you fat or you hear someone get called fat and you all of a sudden you're sucking in your tummy, buffing out your chest and you become an upper chest breather. So there's all these things that can interrupt your ability to breathe well from a biomechanical or movement perspective. So that's bucket number one is movement. Bucket number two, let's call the biochemical or the energy production system, because oxygen is ultimately a currency of energy. Energy is produced in our mitochondria to fuel all performance, right? If those blood gases are not being acquired, transported, and used in the optimum fashion, then you're not gonna have the energy you need to perform at your best. And the ability to breathe deep, the ability to breathe at the correct volume, the ability to maintain nasal breathing, a simple thing in low intensity exercise, that can really 
destroy your ability to produce and use energy. So bucket number one is movement. Bucket number two is energy. And bucket number three is perhaps what we've been talking about the most and the work that we've done together is your um, psychological or your psychophysiological, which is mindset. And the centers that govern respiration are really closely tied to the centers which govern your you know, nervous system response. And the way in which you breathe, breath to breath will impact the, your expression or the, uh, the level of stress arousal. Something called respiratory science arrhythmia, which is a, a fancy way of saying on an inhale, your heart rate will speed up a bit and on an exhale, it will slow down a little bit. And when you maximize the, the gap between those increases and decreases, you're probably really familiar with HRV, heart rate variability. That is the most um, comprehensive metric of the health of your nervous system, which is tied to your, the, the way you regulate your stress response, which is tied to um, how emotions actually impact your uh, approach to life. We talked about stimulus and response. If you're always in that high stress arousal, you're going to be really reactive. So movement, energy, and mindset is the is the the landscape that we're dealing with so you can already see that understanding what a good breath looks like what effective rate of respiration and your ability to control those blood gases can have on so many facets of life it's it's kind of it blows my mind that more people are not really aware of just how powerful it is i know that we you know you're the fundamental of your advice to me in the world champs was get out of your head and into your body and you do that through breath but i I think what what's evident to me is that as i said at the top of the show that like you don't have to be in hawaii you don't have to be an an athlete to be faced with a high level stress environment i even look at parenting and you know you you (laughs) on monday um it, for me it was a relatively stressful morning i you know in retrospect i uh had probably was carrying more emotional baggage than i than i uh really understood uh, felt like i had or would recognize at the time and my middle child was like oh i'd like some wheat bakes for breakfast and i was like okay and then my youngest was like oh i'll help i'll do it and i was like okay and literally grabbed yeah. the wheat bix box i could see where this is going like not 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 in not <laughs> the poor kid like he, not in not like literally trying to help like his heart was in such a great place literally just like, turns it over <laughs> and all of the wheat bix biscuits are all in the kitchen and at that state i just sort of sat down i <laughs> just took a minute I couldn't. I didn't rouse on him, but I was. Uh, I took a minute, and I and I had a had a quiet cry because of just it was all too, it was all too much, and um, I guess my point is though is that whether it's parenting or work or otherwise, you you're you you're really faced with with a lot of stress, and we're not always showing up in that exact moment, you know, ten feet tall and ready to tackle on that onslaught. So 
coming back to the getting out of your head and into your body, what what does that look like practically? What can people listening to this can go, okay, yeah, understand that. I can set those morning routines or the evening routines, but in the cold face of it, like in the when you're really up against a stressful environment, how can I lean on the breath and what does that look um, mechanically in that moment? Well, you, you'd be familiar as an athlete. You never really can perform in the moment in the heat of battle without the right training, right? You don't just show up to a world champs without doing any training and expect to be able to ride your best ride. So you've got to, you've got yeah. to forge some capacity with deliberate practice of experiencing, I believe, experiencing some stress and, and learning how to, you know, control your responses and to, to start to change your relationship with, with stress or with fear or with, with anxiety, whatever it is for you. Um, and there's different ways you can do that. Exercise is a great one. Um, yeah, for me, cold exposure, and I've taken you there as well. That's a, that's another great way to actually practice experiencing something which is uncomfortable and developing. You know, I always think that there's two skills which are fundamental to being able to take yourself into the situation you've just described and be able to navigate it successfully. The first one is um, wisdom, and that. I believe isn't you know the the wise old sage with a beard down to um, his ankles um, who's seen and known everything. Okay, wisdom to me is being able to see things for exactly how they are in the moment and not pretending they're any worse than they are or they're any better. It's just this is you know what this moment is and being able to see it really clearly and having perspective and having. Um, awareness of what is going on and when you have that and you cultivate the second skill of courage which is yeah not you know muscling through and charging on it's about accepting what is in the present moment and being able to remain in the present moment without wishing things were different and and not needing to be somewhere else and not needing to distract yourself it's being able to stay present in circumstances which may not be of your choosing and to to navigate your way through you know what's the next best best decision what's the best response in this situation and and like i said you don't just magically um no one's born with that ability you you've got to do difficult things uncomfortable things uh mechanically what does that look like as as we touched on briefly the exhale is what is the brake pedal to your sympathetic nervous system it takes you into the parasympathetic again i had to use big words think of the sympathetic as you know your your red mind the stress stress response and the parasympathetic as your blue mind your calm mind and giving homage to, to Kerry Evans from um, New Zealand, who's a, um, a sports psychologist who developed this framework. Going to those slow exhales, you know, extending relative to your inhale is the best way to 
put your foot on the brake pedal and take yourself out of the red and into a bit of blue. And when you're in blue, you're much more likely to actually make a, a good decision or you know, not blow up and say something you regret or think that it's it's too overwhelming. You, you've got more access to logic, reason, empathy, all those great things which we need in, in challenging situations. And that's because of the change of the into the person is it into the into that state parasympathetic Paris, blue mind can you Paris, parasympathetic yep. it's a it's almost like a chemical uh response in, internally by ex holding the exhale longer than the inhale mm. yeah and so you're so mechanically if your boss is breathing down your neck or there's a there's a deadline or your kids yell at you or the weepix falls on the floor um is to be have awareness in that through through practice we can and we can go back to that but to be able to go okay this is a stressful environment i need to be really controlled on the exhale right, right now. now yeah in this in yeah. this moment because as you said you'll uh in that first part you you're able to see the bigger picture and I want to, one thing that I learned from you, which I thought was incredible was, I'd love you to talk about this, is your aperture in that stress mm-hmm. environment when you don't have control, when the red side of it is taking over. Yeah, talk to me yeah. about that. Because that is, from what, from, and I can talk to that yeah, experience yeah. as well, the test you put me through. But yeah, talk okay. to talk about the, the vision of how you see things in different, in different states. Yeah, well, if you think... About the the evolutionary context, you know, we we run the same hardware that we've had for the last uh, sixty million years, right? So when you go into yeah. the stress response, when you go into red mind, evolutionarily, that's that's tied to some kind of threat, some kind of threat to life. You know, something's chasing you or member of a rival tribe is trying to put a spear through you, whatever it is, um, you need to be pretty fixated on what that immediate danger is. So, you know, this cascade of effects that happens when you release adrenaline, which is when we go into the sympathetic, you know, you mobilize um, glucose for your, your working muscles, your vascular, your... Um, Arteries and, and veins will dilate. You know, your your pupils will dilate. Um, you know, your heart rate will increase. Your blood pressure will increase. Um, blood will get diverted from the digestive system. You know, you're mobilizing energy ready to to meet the threat. So that's why you get that that tunnel vision, that fixation on you know what is the most important thing right now. Um, which is a good thing when someone's, you know, potentially trying to eat you or kill you. But yeah. Yeah. in the modern world, stress still shows up and it might be stress from our perception of a future event, which is, yeah, hasn't actually happened or from, you know, perception of conflict with in the workplace, whatever it is, you know, you still activating the exact same system and when you do that and you do it repeatedly and chronically and you don't discharge that stress response 
you're always operating at that that high level and by developing you know awareness of how you can shift yourself out of red into blue into the parasympathetic you can avoid that that kind of that trap of just being locked in you know that fight or flight mode because yeah when when we we perceive threat we're either going to respond with aggression um be passive and try and hide um pretend like we're not there or escape so those those are your three you know primal responses and in in the context of the modern world it, it usually shows up as yeah, for a lot of people, meeting threat with with aggression, and and that just escalates things. Yeah, any any relationship where both sides are in that high arousal state, they're going to be butting heads. You know, time and time again, you're not going to have the perspective. And we go back to the point about the aperture. You're not going to have yeah a wide view. You're not going to feel safe to take in your full surroundings um, to develop some perspective which only comes when you you feel safe when you you're in that parasympathetic lowering your stress response so on that and then certainly we when we did our exercises of stress exposure um, with you it was very obvious that my peripheral vision just completely just left me and I was so focused on it was just black almost when you're in that environment and so you were i think encouraging me to whilst the stress response was increasing to keep the periphery open and to encourage (laughs) that openness um through that stress environment you know when you got a when you're I guess not in the moment and you're worried about a future event happening that's causing the stress now you're so fixated right the aperture yeah. comes in and you're so fixated about that that event or that stress and like you've said you're in a better place if you can broaden that and see the bigger picture but is it a matter of fixing the stress in first instance, and then the, the the wider view will take care of itself. Or are you are we trying to focus on the wider view first to fix the stress? Well, you're never going to fix stress. Stress is something you either can you can tolerate or you can't tolerate. You'll reach a point where we talk about your your sympathetic edge and your parasympathetic edge. So you've got this window of tolerance. So if you think about it, something. Uh, ticks you off or you experience some stress if your window is really small you're going to be taken over the edge really quickly and you're going to lose that ability to access a wider perspective so it's more about actually widening that window and going back to some of the earlier discussion around you what are the behaviors that will widen the window practicing those behaviors which allow you to tolerate higher levels of stress but still prevent you from flipping your lid. You know, you're still able to maintain access to logic, reason, empathy, all those um, functions we have which sit in you know, the, the higher brain structures in the, the cortical areas mm. and not to make your way down into the fear center of the brain, um, not to be operating from 
that limbic system where um, the amygdala, which is yeah, your brain's panic alarm sits. If you're operating from in there, you know, you've flipped your lid, uh, you're not going to make good decisions. So it's not so much about fixing the stress, it's your ability to um, stay present. Like I mentioned, that that, that courage to, to stay present and composed in the face of yeah. greater stresses, I think is the the key skill to cultivate. So that's, yeah, staying present is, is a courageous decision yeah. for sure, right? And particularly when the mind uh, does its best, uh, probably more so on others than, than some, but at projecting the future and causing the anxiety to come in. Um, and obviously that goes if we can stay in the present. Yeah. You don't have that emotional reaction if we can stay wholly here. Um, but certainly interested in, you know, uh, interested in that first step where you talk about that perspective mm-hmm. element and understanding to see a, to not be caught in the weeds yeah. almost and to see what, what, what this moment is for mm-hmm. what it is and not to think that this is everything or this is drastically you know, it's a crucible moment in our life or whatever the situation is, because whatever it is, it is. It's, it's almost a, a, it's almost a stoic view of that, that it, that it is what it is. And we can't do much about that because it's just the reality and be at it and, and not project the reality for being more than it actually is. And just accepting for, accepting the situation and it may as you said it may not be a situation that you like or it's not favorable i think it's also an incredible skill to be able to no matter what's thrown at you to be able to go well yeah, yeah for sure is. and and it's it's this is the moment yeah. and and no, no one no one's perfect you know you're not gonna no sure you're not going to 10 times out of 10 remain completely calm in the eye of the storm you know depending on like your Monday morning, depending on what's come before, what level of allostatic load has built up. So the sort of the cumulative stress, you're going to either be in a better or worse position to be able to maintain that that composure under pressure. Do you think it's an exposure, the relative exposure though? Do you think, or do you think it's learnable without the, without that relative exposure? So you have someone, person A, who has actual exposure to some serious trauma or catastrophic events in their life and that because of they've exposed to such a high level of, of stress, let's say, everything below that is all relative and it's much easier for that person to see perspective and go, well, that's nothing because you should have seen what happened three yeah. years ago, right? That was that was full on. This is This is nothing. Um, versus someone who hasn't had that experience, but can is that teachable? And I guess it's in a similar vein of like parenting, right? To to be able to have responsibility of a human, you almost think it's difficult to for a, a person who doesn't have children to fully grasp that concept. But yeah, I, I, the question I have for you is about is that something that's teachable on all levels of for anyone or an advantage, I guess, for being exposed to a greater, a higher level. I don't think you're in an advantage. 
being exposed at a higher level. You might even, you know, I don't have any direct experience of any serious trauma in my life. You know, I've, I've been pretty lucky apart from, I guess, you know, losing grandparents in a car accident as a, as a young kid. That's probably the, the most traumatic thing that's, that's happened to, to me. Everything else has been, you know, pretty good in life. I've, I've, I've had a pretty good hand dealt. Um, I can't speak to what someone who's, yeah. And I think it comes back a lot to, yeah, the way in which you spend those early years in terms of your attachment to a primary caregiver. If you've got someone there who is always, yeah, a steady hand, you know, whenever you experience some, some stress or, or something bad happens to you, there's always that safe harbour to come back to. If you've, if you've got yeah. that, that secure attachment style, then it, it teaches you how to apply that to just about everything else in life. Whereas if you're, if you were you know, unlucky not to have that kind of um, you know, really nurturing and, and firm relationship with your primary caregivers, then uh, the world can, no matter what happens to you, can be a, a pretty scary and um, harsh place and you just don't have any skills to be able to deal with that. So it's not really about what comes in life. It's more about what sort of internal capacity you've um, you've developed to, to meet those challenges. Um, so, yeah, obviously early years are crucial, but then, yeah, whatever guidance you've you've also had along the way so if 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 trauma shows up and yeah the group that has has been you know, your social circle has a, a different way of dealing with that trauma and you you get into you know, risk-taking behaviors or you know, substance abuse then you're in a much more compromised position than if you had you know, someone who is is sensible and and able to to show you, yeah, you know, with compassion, ways in which you can, um, you know, build resilience in, into your life. Then, yeah. So it's it's a complicated subject, and yeah, as as I said at the outset of today, I'm I'm certainly no expert, but um, yeah, I think there's there's little things that everyone can do which will make you a little bit better a little bit more resilient and widen that window for you. So let's leave tonight with some, I guess, ways that we can safely expose ourselves to small amounts of stress to practice, let's say, this idea of control because that is challenging when you are in a stressful environment, um, like a three-degree ice bath. Ice, ice bath might might have been colder for you. Um, I went um, I went particularly hard on you that day. <laughs> um for five minutes um it's very difficult you know and so you know i think like a, a simple cold shower of a morning yeah it may only be it, that water may only be 20 degrees or 18 maybe even 15 depending where you live but that's still something that's not nothing 100 percent. Right? it's it's deliberately choosing yeah a level of comfort which ordinarily you would shy away from and and to go deliberately into 
put yourself under that cold water and let it run across you know, the back of your neck and teach yourself and experience you know, what that feels like, what your normal reaction is, and say, okay, that's a reaction which isn't serving me. What's something I can do which is yeah. going to actually make this a better experience? And it's you know, relaxing the shoulders, taking that deep breath in and then slowing your exhale. I always teach people, yeah, you never see, I'm yet to still see anyone who's having a, a panic attack while exhaling slowly. It's, it's physiologically impossible. <laughs> yeah, true. Right? Yeah. So you can... That's the first thing. You hop in, the, hop in that cold shower or in yeah. the ice bath. And you, you, all you can do yeah. is, is, is inhale. In <laughs> it's really... Yeah. Like, you're like, <gasps> Shallow upper chest through like, the mouth. Oh my, like all of the... Yeah, like cross, exactly. cross, cross. Every, Every single thing you shouldn't be yeah. doing. Yeah. It's just like this this, this like immediate uh, response to, to the stress. And that's such a... The, the windows open in terms of like whole oh, duly like I'm just doing yeah. it all wrong. And you can you can and you can take point, the you, you yeah you it. take those two elements right stress response and breathing pattern. You pick any kind of state, whether it's highly stressed, anxious, panicked, or um, calm, focused on task, or yeah, super relaxed. And there's a breathing pattern which matches each of those states. I guarantee you, if you adopt the breathing pattern, you will start to feel that state. So you can reverse engineer the state you want to feel by taking control of your breath. So if you're lacking energy and you're lacking motivation, um, you can go to a, a faster, more powerful, um, stronger breath just for a short period of time, which is going to you know, give you a little bit more sympathetic activation, get you aroused, get you up and about. Or if it's yeah, cold water raining down on you, slowing down that exhale is going to. It's not going to make it pleasurable, but you're going to be able to remain. It's going to make it. Yeah, you're going to be able to ma- remain present in that moment and yeah. understand that you know what this isn't the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. When you lose control and you you've just got the inhale that you're doing, you're way more likely just to jump out. And that's what happens. You'll see that more often than not with the ice bath exposure with your yeah. clients is that they don't control get get, get control of the exhale and Boom. they're out. And that's not necessarily because they're not great at exposure of the cold or that it's just not for them. It's simply because they they uh, don't control the exhale. And you, you, you jump into three-degree water your body is immediately going get out but as soon as you do have control it's this amazing sensation of like this is just like a bath uh, like there's no you don't even really feel it and then and then it gets uncomfortable once you get numb yeah. you, you know you, it aches your body starts uh, to ache but after three or four minutes but it is that it is that just overcoming that initial response uh, and yeah, by exposing yourself more frequently, in theory, is that you will have a much better chance at controlling the out breath, and then you can take that confidence into your life when the wee on the floor, on the floor yeah. or when when you've got something you know time sensitive that's that's at work uh, that you got to get done. You're able to be in that moment see see the moment for what it is have the courage to be in that moment 
and stay there and mm. get the job and done. And it's, you know, breath is obviously one tool. I think it's one of the most powerful tools, but, you know, there's other habits you can cultivate to re- remain present moment focused. And, you know, I, one thing I see a lot when people go into the cold is the eyes go wide and they'll start, you know, looking around, they're looking for an exit. So, so just close your eyes, you know, go internal focus or um, that felt sense. That's something we've talked about as well. Yeah. Just, just bring your fingertips yep. together and just slide them back and forward. Gives you something in your body, tangible and tactile to focus on and takes you out of here. And yeah, breath is great. Touch, vision, practicing, practicing a skill and, and, having a strategy when you see something coming down down the road which you go oh this is gonna this is gonna rev me up you can do all three at once control that <laughs> out breath all right Rachel, i think i want to ask you one more time to come on the podcast and again soon uh i think we can tap into we could probably spend okay. a whole hour okay. talking about ways to stay in the moment because i think from every from every guest we've spoken to on this or a lot of them a key moment, a key part of their success is being able to stay in the moment. And uh, I think that's a real key to, to a lot of it. So I'd love to get you back to talk about it. Anyone who wants to follow Rich, he is at Rich J Burrows on Instagram. Um, you're going gangbusters, mate. So keep up the amazing work. Um, we love you and all your clients love you. And yeah, thank you so much for spending the time and, no, I appreciate um, the work you do, and as you can tell, I just froth over talking this this stuff. So, uh, um, more than happy to come back at any time. And for anyone who wants to get in touch and um, talk about what we do, please please reach out. Well, that was Rich Burrows. Such a great chat for a second time on the Success Times Happiness podcast. I hope you all got something out of it. And if you did, please share it with anyone who you think will enjoy it as well. Check us out on YouTube. Follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast. And until next time, peace.